My name's Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And welcome to another episode of Make Ours Marvel. This is episode 74 of the show. And uh, we've got a new month coming up. I believe we're in the yeah. month of November yep. 1964. And um, we've got three new comics. Well, not new. Like, if you don't old. know, we cover really, really old comics. So three more episodes and we'll be in December. And then three more episodes after that will be in 1965. Wow. Yeah. And do you know what happens in 1965? Me neither, but we're going to find out. <laughs> Good stuff, um, I imagine. Yeah, I think the Silver Age just continues to grow and get bigger and more interesting. Oh, mm-hmm. you know what happens in 1965? The Human that? Torch ends. And, oh, Ant-Man wow. ends. and we get two new comic series in those books. Well, there's some improvement anyway. Yup. All right. So we are starting off the uh, comic talk today with Journey into Mystery 112. A.K.A. The Mighty Four number 112, which does not cancel in 1964 as far as I know. But this issue, I mean 65, this is the epic battle of the age. The Mighty Thunder God versus the Incredible Hulk. Everybody wanted to see this happen. Yeah, including probably. you, including me. Um, they have fought already a couple uh-huh. times, I think. But this is like the one-on-one match. But yeah, this is. I guess we'll just get into it, and it's my job to do that because I have the two tonight. So we'll just start with the Mighty Thor battles the Incredible Hulk, a Stanley, Jack Kirby Marvel masterwork! Exclamation point! Inked by Schickstone, lettered by S. Rosen. That is the letterbox. Wow, they didn't do anything like cutesy on that one but Thor is flying around and he comes across a group the Jets versus the Sharks I guess and it's these kids and one kid is holding like a big Thor head on a stick and another kid is holding a big Hulk head on a stick and Thor's like huh so he goes over there and it turns out they're fighting over who would be the strongest so Thor, being a Norse god, decides this is an awesome conversation for him to get involved in. So he tells them a parable or a tale of what happened the one time, the first time he fought the Hulk, which apparently happened unseen in Avengers number three. So we flash back to Avengers number three, where Submariner and the Hulk are somewhat working together, and Submariner has a big gun. And everybody's ganging up on him, and Thor and Hulk start fighting. And I guess in Avengers number three. Uh, we don't really see that because then the next panel is something else because this comic takes place entirely between that moment, I guess. I kind of can't remember Avengers number three anymore, but it's anyway. Basically, yeah, they, they were fighting, and I mentioned it actually at the time when the I best remember that, would yeah. fit in, but the flow of the comic really does not allow for a break. Okay, well... The conceit of this issue is that there is an in-between moment, which is this. That basically, they start fighting on their own. They get pushed into a tunnel or something, and they're fighting by themselves. The Avengers are off doing something else. And Thor, one of his cool powers that we didn't know he had, is he can spin his hammer just right to create a dimensional disruption to make it so nobody can get in, even the Hulk. So he basically just has this twister flowing around him. And while he's in there, he's like, you know... 
Someday these kids might ask me how, if who's the strongest, so it's not really fair that I use my hammer. But if I don't use my hammer, I'll turn into Don Blake. So let me talk to Dad, and he reaches out to Dad, and he says, Dad, can you just give me five minutes without this whole stupid enchantment thing so I could just be Thor without holding this hammer? And he's like, sure, son. Five minutes, there you go. And so the first thing Thor does is throw his hammer at the Hulk, but the hammer is now just a hammer, and the Hulk, to his surprise, is like, hey, I can lift this. I'm going to destroy it. And Thor's like, no, that was a bad move. I actually don't want you to destroy it because in five minutes I'm going to need it again. And also it's kind of valuable to me. So then they spend like multiple pages wrestling over the hammer, um, at which point... You know, they kind of, in varying degrees of success, you know, demonstrate who's stronger back and forth. And then at some point, the Hulk, because I guess they were on a um, World War II mine or something, if I remember correctly, um, the Hulk smashes into the wall and pulls out this explosive thingy, throws it at Thor, and it explodes and has gas, and that kind of makes Thor cough and stuff. And the Hulk and them fight some more. They're trading fist fights uh, or trading blows, you know. And then at some point, the Hulk grabs Thor with both hands and he won't let him go. Odin is watching all this, kind of drinking and going, well, this isn't great for Thor, but, you know, he's only got three more seconds to go, so he better hurry up. So Thor lifts Hulk while the Hulk is gripping his wrist. Thor lifts Hulk off the ground. Um... But Hulk just, like, knees him in the face and then throws Thor into a wall. And then that causes the cave they're in to collapse. And Thor can't find the Hulk. And then I think the five minutes is up because he gets his hammer again. And he breaks the collapse apart so he could find the Hulk, only to find that the Hulk has dug himself out through a hole in the floor. So he chases after him, and that kind of catches us back to Avengers number three, where Thor pops his head out, Submariner attacks him, the Hulk also attacks him, and they gang up on him. And I remember that scene in the comic. So, yeah, we're back to the Avengers number three. And then so basically it goes back to the present, and the kids are like, um, so that was a great story, but, you know, who's stronger still? Because we don't know. And he's like, um, I don't even know what he says. He says something like, he knows the answer, but he's not going to say because gods don't brag or something. I don't know what he says. But he flies away and leaves them all, like, unhappy with the answer. And then, meanwhile, it cuts to the Hulk, who's walking around upset that he didn't get to smash Thor. And that's he the end. He says he can only guess at the answer, but he has no proof, so he's not going to say anything. Right, that's what he says. Yeah, something but Weasley like, like that. Then he, like, moralizes about it. It's not the one possessing the greatest power who's important. It's the one who uses his power wisely in the cause of justice. So Thor is all about, it's not the size of the hammer, but the motion of the swing that's important. <laughs> strength alone is meaningless without virtue. Something like that. But he sure loves his strength, so that just seems kind of, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So um, this was a big fighting McFightenstein issue. Uh-huh. Which is a little bit weird after, like, having all of the, you know, cool, you know, drama. Well, I guess I, I was going to say cool drama with Jane, but there hasn't really been cool drama with Jane. She got captured by um, Cobra and Mr. Hyde. No, but since Kirby took over this book, there has been a continuation, like, every issue until this one, mm-hmm. kind of. So this is just like a one-off flashback that didn't really even add anything to Avengers 3, really. 
I guess it just gives it, everybody the fight they want. Yeah. Yeah. It's just an excuse for a fight scene. But I just remember that there is a big arc that starts next issue. So if okay. you're going to do this at some point, now is the time you got to do it because drama and, and, and marvelous things galore come next issue. Um, it leaves you. It, I was left the fight kind of feeling like Thor lost when it's not really a fair view of it. Thor just didn't have the solid victory he wanted because he ran out of time. But uh, but he definitely didn't lose the fight. Well, the fight was over because Hulk threw Thor's head into a wall, and then that wall collapsed on the Hulk. So I don't know who right. wins. Who wins on that one? They're both looking pretty stupid at that point. Yeah, but Thor's five minutes of clean fighting runs out, and he, he has to leave and go back and help Iron Man against Namor or something like that. Yeah, so more like those are only my only really thoughts is I didn't really love the whole like I can create a dimensional disruption thing that can stop the Hulk from hurting me um, and I can talk to daddy whenever I want and have him do anything I want. I always kind of hate that because it's like that's too something you sh- you could just abuse to solve any plot problem. But I do like that they took the hammer out of the equation so that people don't write in later and say, oh, well, but Thor could beat him when- or Thor only beat him because he had a hammer, you know, like he took it out. Now it's just a well, fist fight. It's kind of the other uh, direction with the uh, the Endgame film because, you know, when you say that Captain Marvel is stronger than Thanos, it's like, well, Thanos took her out. Well, no, Thanos and the Infinity Gauntlet or Thanos and the Power Stud was able to beat Captain Marvel. Thanos against Captain Marvel lost. Right. Um, but that's a whole other dis- discussion. Um I like when they're arguing over who's going to win the fight. Um, uh-huh. We're recording this right after the announcement was made that the Disney Sony relationship over Spider-Man has broken apart. Uh-huh. And man, the Spider-Man fan sections of the internet are vicious right now with a whole bunch of, you know, you, you, you just a Disney stan or, or you just hate the MCU and all this other stuff. And it's just like, oh my gosh, can we not just like get along? And so these fans, <laughs> these fans are definitely typical here. Yeah. Well, that, that is a, and you know, we like the fights. How can we not like the fights? If you're, if you don't like fights and you're into superheroes, then boy, you must have a lot of miserable experiences, right? <laughs> like, like we like the fights. I just don't know what to say about them necessarily on a podcast, but because there's not a lot of character development in these fights. But, of course, if you're a fan of the Hulk, I mean, I remember websites back when they used to make fanboy websites of, like, cataloging all the times the Hulk has fought Thor or the Hulk has fought, um, I don't know, the thing or something like that, you know? And it's cool to see, like, the outcomes and when they were a draw or a victory or whatever, but course it doesn't really matter because it just depends on the writer and the story that's what's more important um i remember doing the avengers 3 way back in episode 39 which was like almost half our show's existence ago Uh uh-huh yeah it's it seems so far away and and now we're here yeah um the only other thing i have is he says on page nine I can't get weak. I grow stronger every minute, stronger, stronger, stronger. Has he ever explicitly said that before? Or is this the first time the Hulk's doing the whole, the matter I get, the stronger I get thing? Um, yeah, I think this is the first time, or, or at least one of the first times that he's really talked about, like, he does nothing but get stronger. I'm not sure how much we've seen that borne out, because we definitely have seen the Hulk take some hits and go down. Yeah. Uh, at yeah, least we in his have. own mind, he gets stronger all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, there's not a whole lot. They're uh, they're at Gibraltar, and they go into the cave, and then all of a sudden it's like they're in an army fortress, and I hadn't realized that Gibraltar was a fortress during World War II, and uh-huh. it was. Like, they're inside a mountain, and he like pushes a panel, and weapons come out. So I was like, huh, that's weird. Uh, but this is, even though it's on the Spanish peninsula, this is actually overseen by the British government. And mm. it was, since it's right on the narrowest part of the ocean between Europe and Africa, it was a very strategically important part in a lot of wars, especially World War II more recently. Um, so, yeah, it's a kind of important deal that they're at right now. Yeah, yeah I don't know a, if they if they reflected that as hard in Avengers 3, but I can't remember. It's not a not a whole lot to talk about. Yeah. It's just a big old fight. I mean, I kind of like the whole business where he talks to kids. It's always neat when superheroes interact with reality in some level. That's kind of fun. Although you wonder why he would get involved in that conversation. But uh, I did like it was I did cute. Like Odin watching TV. Odin watching TV. Yeah. Is like yeah, I mean, screen. does he just watch his son all the time, or was he watching because his son called him? I guess he was busy doing. He was he was like golfing when Thor called him. I think so. Yeah, he, he probably just turned it on because he was curious. But it's like, hey, Dad, you know the whole five minute thing you did? Can you just do that forever? Because that would be cooler. <laughs> but then I guess he wouldn't I'm, be Don Blake anymore. So maybe he doesn't want that. I don't know. Do you have a um, Do you have a stake in the Thor versus Hulk fight? Do you have a preference on how that should go? Um, well, boy, let's get fanboy about that. That's fun. I think Thor should ultimately beat the Hulk in a full-on fight just because he's got more stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Um, With the hammer, you mean? Like, I'm not saying he's stronger in an arm wrestling competition necessarily, but that hammer and his powers. I mean, he's the god of freaking thunder and lightning, and he can create dimensional vortexes. And, and you know, yeah, he's just crazy powerful. I feel like he could just defeat the Hulk ultimately. But I Which like I how get, they've handled it in the MCU. I thought they did a good job kind of keeping it even, more or less. Yeah, because if, if it's just a strength thing, or if Hulk you know, gets the uh, upper hand, then Hulk you know, does win by strength. He punches Thor across the room. Thor's going to fly across the room. But if Thor is able to like, you know, take a stance against the Hulk, mm-hmm. then he is, he's definitely got all the power going for him. Um, I don't think we have another Thor-Hulk fight in this early era of comics. Uh, definitely, you know, like, like one-on-one or whatever until, you know, that sort of Submariner issue that's like a prototype of the Defenders. It has Namor and Silver Surfer and the Hulk against uh-huh. the Avengers. Oh, right. Yeah. That's Submariner 35. And then during the Avengers-Defenders War, they all pair off, and that's Thor versus the Hulk. Um, but as for, like, one of them showing up in the other one's solo book for a one-on-one fight... That's uh-huh. that's the that's the 1980s, I think. Hulk 255, unless I missed something. It's kind of funny how Hulk as a character just invites challenge because, like, for fanboys, because I don't think anybody's clamoring to see like the Hulk or the Thor versus the Thing, right? But everybody wants to see Thor versus Hulk or Thing versus Hulk. Like, we all have to see who can beat Hulk because mm-hmm. <laughs> Hulk Hulk is mm-hmm. all about just being the strongest there is so every any strong character has to get tested against the Hulk at some point to be legit because Hulk is like raging fire you're like yeah. small <laughs> smoldering fire smoldering fire <laughs> alright should we move on to the second part of this awesome uh, book I guess the tale of Asgard it's the, called the coming of Loki 
whoops, majestically written by Stan Lee, magnificently drawn by Jack Kirby, masterfully inked by Vince Coletta, and magnanimously lettered by Artie Semek. And it's the tale of more fighting. So this is the theme of this issue. We have a guy named Laffy, who's the king of the giant warriors of Jotunheim, right? Um, versus Odin and his people. And the dude is giant, and he has a big hammer, and they kind of fight, and the dude can also, like, control, or either he can control, or he just knows where the pockets of fire are, and Odin doesn't, so he uses that to his advantage, too, on his planet, or his world, or whatever, wherever they are. But in the end, Odin is still Odin, and he, like, uses his hammer to just crush the bad guy's hammer, and then that makes, like, the bad guy's people attack Odin, and then that makes Odin's people attack the bad guy's people. And there's this big, bloody Braveheart fight. And in the end, Odin and his people are standing. Oh, and then, like, I forget. Uh, the bad guy, Laffy, instead of just surrendering, I think he just fights to the death and dies or something like that. I can't remember. But anyway, after all, they're all dead and they're walking around his dead city. They hear a baby crying and they find the infant child and that's Laffy's son and Odin decides to respect the fact that he is a prince. He may not be a prince on the winning team, but he's a prince so henceforth he will be son of Odin, half-brother of the well-beloved Thor and he holds the grumpy-looking baby up and that's the end. So I think this is part one of multiple Loki stories or something well he, he has a whole life after this so there are more stories yes but it <laughs> but it but it teases us with the next issue will be more loki childhood so mm-hmm. this is part mm-hmm. one of many i guess now um this is the king of the giant warriors of jotunheim mm-hmm. and the use of giants in marvel comics is not super consistent frost giants versus storm giants versus you know all the different stuff, but Laufey is the name of the giant ice king in the Thor film. Okay, so he Loki being he the doesn't son of look Laufey, like that now. What's that? He doesn't look like that in this. No, no. So they definitely did a ice a design change. Um, honestly, when we do see things that are called frost giants, they just look like big giants who live in the snow. Um, I think occasionally we do get like icy giant characters, but. That's not necessarily so, all, the, all the time. I mean, I know we've had this discussion about giants and how, like, I think our resident expert told us that the gods were giant too. So everybody was just giant, right? If I remember correctly. Um, Maybe. Are they kind of, are they, I don't know either. Be. It seemed like all the bad guys in the Odin's world are giant. And I also feel like, you know, the MCU sort of like just took the whole frost thing because i think of norse and bad guys being frosty and just combined it with this guy Mm -hmm. i don't know because he doesn't seem like he's from the cold or anything no and this particular character of course gets slain in this battle Mm -hmm. and so there aren't like a bunch of laufey king of the giant stories right but so this is lo this is loki's dad though this is loki's dad loki apparently was the runt of the litter uh-huh. Um, but he deserves to be a friend, a prince because he's a prince, so they're going to raise him as a prince in Asgard. It, it feels a little weird for some reason. But see, that um, explains at least that why he's not giant and blue. Like in the MCU, I guess they had to... What did they do to him? Just 
make a spell so he looks normal or he does that? Is he normally a giant frosty guy? They don't really explain the why of that, as far as I remember. I he know. does like have some skin like warbles where it like uh-huh. looks blue and his face turns blue and gets red eyes briefly in his skin. So it's like underneath his human looking appearance, there is the frost giant appearance lurking. Right. But that's whereas, weird. Whereas the comic Laffy looks like an Asgardian except taller. So I guess if you explain that he's the runt of the litter, he's just going to grow up to be a regular six foot guy. Right. Right. Yeah. So he doesn't have to have a, a chameleon device or something. Anyway, the ending caption is many are the legends of Loki's birth, but this is one we favor. Uh-huh. Like many are the legends of Loki's birth, but this is the one that we made up. <laughs> well, let's see. Did they make it up or is this legit? Let's, Let's go ask Gene Gene, the podcasting machine. Because I don't know. The Asgardian advisor here at Make Ours Marvel writes in and helps us out with our tales of Asgard, being a worshiper of the Norse gods himself. So he says, this is an interesting story for a few reasons. First, it does explain why a giant's son was adopted by Odin, who still has two eyes, so he's not wise enough to know this is a bad idea. Uh Uh-huh. Does the loss of the eyeball go along with like a gaining of wisdom from Odin? Doesn't he start using ravens to help him see or something? I don't know. Yeah, I think he does have ravens. He's an all-seeing eye. Yeah, go ahead. That's Doctor Strange. Never mind. It fills in a part of the... Wait, is the eye of Agamotto Odin's eye? I don't know. (laughs) No, Odin's eyeball is out in space floating around. Um, It fills in a part of the history that is not touched on in the lore. Odin and Loki, as you know, are not father and son, but are actually blood brothers. It's not explained how this came about... It's just the status quo. I can see something along the line of Loki helping the Aesir by betraying Laufrey, but he only did so if Odin formed a bond with him against the Double Cross. Lastly, the giants aren't really all that giant in this story. This goes back to the gods and giants intermingling and intermarrying in the lore. They can't mm-hmm. be of such a different size. Relations would not be physically possible. Right. He's only like a few feet taller. Right, so that's what you were saying uh, earlier, that like all the Asgardians are kind of giants because the giants and the regulars intermarry. Yeah. Unlike the MCU, where they're just like ridiculously giant. Right, but like the, I didn't notice that the first couple times I watched Thor, because like, I don't know, just you see Laufey sitting on his throne, like glaring at Thor, and then you see Thor looking up at him. It just didn't mm-hmm. really register with me at first that mm-hmm. Laufey was so much bigger. Until yeah. they start attacking Thor. And I, oh my gosh, these guys are huge. Why is that? Yeah. Because they're giant frost giants. They're giant frost giants. I don't, yeah, God, Odin is just the worst. And I wonder if we're supposed to know that or if we're supposed to like him. Because I don't like him. And I don't like him in this where he, <laughs> where he kills and destroys everybody, but then decides that this baby is worthy of his respect. He's just so freaking random. And, and like, I would hate, I would hate to have to follow him. Because he's just horrible. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, he... I think that that's the read on Odin that we're supposed to have. Okay, good. Because that's, that's what... That's definitely the, the read on Odin that I have, like, have, after having read, like, another 15 years of comics after this. Okay. 20 years, maybe. That's the feeling of Odin that I have. Now, it's not what we had, like, the first few issues. But that's what I have now. Because I'm trying to think, like, any... If I ever read a story involving Odin where Odin was cool and I really just can't think of anything. Like he always is like that Professor Xy guy where he's just like, ugh, now we have to deal with him. Right. 
Thor yeah. seems to always be like, you know, hoping for his approval. Same with and, Zeus. Yeah. They're always just like these really annoying fathers who make horrible decisions. Mm-hmm. But anyway. All right. Because, I mean, they're giving him the story like he's the hero, but it's almost like I want Laufey to win sometimes. Sometimes. Okay. We can move okay. on. Okay. Does that finish up Journey into Mystery? <laughs> yep. Two big fights. Whatever. <laughs> well, we are moving on then into Tales to Astonish 64. And on the um, cover, it's split down the middle. We have Giant Man holding a Tuma and uh, the Hulk fighting off a bunch of pink guys. So double Hulk mm-hmm. action in this episode. Yep. Um, Giant Man and the Wonderful Wasp. When Atuma Strikes. Edited by Smile and Stan Lee. Written by Laughing Leon Lazarus. What? Stan Lee did not write this one. Is Leon Lazarus a real person? That sounds like a fake name. I thought so too. So I went to Dr. Internet and uh-huh. Leon Lazarus actually has hundreds of uncredited stories from Timely and Atlas going oh. back to 1947. Nice. This is actually one of his last published works. We know quite a bit about his career because comics historians were curious about him because his actual listed credits are really, really rare. So there are people who hunted him down and interviewed him and wrote a book about him before he died. So we got two Golden Age guys on this story. Yeah, because Carl Burgess, the capricious Carl Burgess, is penciling. It's inked by peerless Paul Reinman and lettered by sparkling Sam Rosen. Um, all right. So Henry is doing some experiments with an, a giant, giant ant. And he's like, hurry up, jam with those test tubes. And she walks in and she trips and drops the case of test tubes, apologizes, and he, like, bites her head off. Mm-hmm. But he kind of does it, like, thoughtlessly. Doesn't really think about what he's saying. And But she has a pretty strong reaction because she's like, oh, my gosh, why is he so awful? Um, she runs into the other room and she's like, you know what? What am I even doing? He's always doing science. I'm trying to get him to love me. I seem to rarely get any response. I guess, you know what? I'm just I'm just going to go. Mm-hmm. I'll get a plane. I'll leave. Um, I don't need my wasp uniform or my gun because they'll just remind me of him. And she does. She leaves. She flies away. Meanwhile, Hank is like, whew, got all that science worked out. You know, I might have said something mean to Jan earlier. Maybe I should go apologize. So he goes to her room and he sees a note to Hank from Jan And she basically breaks up with him. And he's like, I'm an idiot. I drove her away. I love her so dearly. And I'm an asshole. So he goes, grows to to giant size, um, but does it so quickly that he like runs into some telephone lines or power lines or something and like smacks back down to the floor, collapsing to um, regular size. So, meanwhile, Jan's plane is flying along, and in the ocean is Atuma. We met him over in the uh, Fantastic Four in a Namor story. And he decides that he needs to uh, have some sort of victory to redeem his honor from having lost at the hands of the Submariner. So, he's going to attack the surface world. Um, He sends a bunch of bubbles, like he's Sailor Mercury, uh, up to the plane. And, um, you know... The plane wow. gets covered in bubbles, and they're just like, huh, that's that's kind of weird. 
can't see. It's blocking the radar. Our radio's not getting through either. These are some really solid bubbles. And so um, the plane is forced to land on a nearby island or something like that. Atuma has this massive tank robot thing that like drives up onto the, 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 the surface and starts capturing people. The, uh, the soldiers see Jan and uh, they're like, ooh, female. Atuma will want to see that. And so they capture Jan. Um, Henry wakes up and I think an ant sends him a signal about Jan being alive and in danger. So he's able to f- follow the ant signals. Now, he recently created a little converticar that he can fly around in as Ant-Man, so that's pretty cool. So he flies out to the island. He starts attacking Atlanteans as Giant Man, picking them up, tossing them around, um, basically like nine pins. And the Wasp gets free. She helps out some. She gets blasted by a paralysis ray really quickly, though, so she doesn't get to help that much. And Henry saves her. Um, they beat Atuma. Atuma's fortress falls back into the ocean, and they fly back home in the converted car, and he asks her to forgive him for being such a jerk earlier. And she's like, yeah, when I left, I realized I needed you. What would Giant Man be without the Wasp? The Wolf. End. Yeah. Yeah. Like, poor Atuma. I feel bad for him because, like, kind of had a good showing in the first appearance. And then it's like, no, let's put him in Tales to Astonish to really undermine how cool he is. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's not cool in this because it's Tales to Astonish, kind of. So I think they used him a little too quickly, maybe. Um, I I mostly paid attention to the little bit. It's a relationship drama we have in this. Uh-huh. Um, it's easy to tell Jan to be rational at the beginning, but like I kind of appreciate her conflicted emotions. It's not like Hank has been blatantly bad to her, but he hasn't been very good to her either. She really has been sort of scraping for every scrap of affection he's going to show. And yes, and maybe this he- will be a wake up call for him. He's got the Reed Richards syndrome where like if he's into working on something, nothing else matters. Mm-hmm. And he's always he's always into working on something. Now, if we want to and I am kind of like I'm kind of anti um pigeonholing Hank Pym as a domestic abuser, but if we wanted to, we could use this story as hints that he could be that way because the thing he said to her is not great. He really kind of. Your accidents are a real beaut. You know, this is going to take me forever to fix and stuff like that. That's pretty mean. You don't say that to people. And then even when he finds right. out she's gone, yes, he's mad at himself, but it looks like he has a temper tantrum. Like he's crumpling up her note and throwing it. And then he gets so upset that he accidentally turns giant and knocks himself out. You know? So, like, he's got anger issues. So, if we wanted to, we could tie this story to that future development where, you know, they have a bad relationship. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I read it the same way. Um, It's interesting what kinds of things can be read as foreshadowing that were never meant to be, but kind of played that way. Yeah. He seems like a mean, kind of angry husband in this for some reason. (laughs) But whatever. So, Atuma is from the murky depths. So I was going to ask and, you about that, like, because they say that he just discovered the surface world yesterday or something, right? Yes. So Atlantis has known of the surface world for at least 25 years, but the murky depthsians had no clue. Yeah. Does that ring true to you? That just seems odd somehow that they wouldn't know because they know who Submariner is. So they've gone there. 
I don't know. They've gone so far, I guess they never went that much farther. I don't know. I don't know. It's just weird. To the murky depths, maybe Atlantis is the sky. Why does he have a bubble gun that can take down an airplane, and why does he have a tank then? This is true. This is true. He seems to be very prepared for this recent discovery. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. that That tank is massively huge. It's larger than the airplane. And it has treads, so it'd be the worst vehicle in the world for the bottom of the sea or whatever, probably. Right, right. Anyway, that's just nitpicking, I guess. But I did find that weird that he had never heard of the surface world before. Like, he didn't remember. He didn't know about the whole Submariner and all of their people attacking the surface world and Fantastic Four annual number or whatever. Seems like a right. thing he would have heard about. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Um, we get confirmation that Jan can still not mentally shrink herself. Uh, because she cannot. Like, I don't have. She no capsules. So. Super creepy that they singled her out to get in the tank and nobody else though. Like, was that just a plot convenience, or is that because she's the prettiest girl and they're gonna do horrible things to her? <laughs> what was that? What was the motivation there? They didn't know yeah. she was the wasp. As no, far as I know, it's just. Oh, look, Jan's pretty. Let's get let's get this one girl in here. All the rest of you can get teleported back to wherever. Which, it's a plane full of people. Theoretically, there are lots of women on this flight, right? Right. So I think, um, it was more, I think it was more a plot contrivance that they capture her so that she has to... She actually made the ants call Hank. So she had a little bit of control over her destiny. Yeah. Because she found a thing in her purse that let her sort of shrink just enough to be able... Oh, so that's another thing. So if, if she shrinks just a little bit, she can naturally communicate with ants. She doesn't need a helmet because she's got, like, genetic things that he implanted in her no like he he she has the wings that he doesn't have does that mean that she's got more power than he does in a way because he has to use a helmet to translate to well she does call it a cybernetic message i don't know what cybernetics like there's no electronics her equipment's not here i think that's a plot hole it could be yeah i don't know what he did to her but i don't think she's ever just talked to ants before without her outfit on no Anyway. No, neither one of them has without their, you know, they, they use their helmets to talk to the ants. Uh-huh. Um, and the end of the story, once again, we have a bad guy seeing a superhero and thinking that all of humanity is superheroes. And oh, so they yeah. Out. That was very, um, harkens back to our old alien days, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Except, except instead of aliens, they're depth dwellers. Right. The yeah. caption at the end is uh, next issue, big surprise, when we present the new Giant Man. I didn't understand so that. Well, but you'll I, you'll you'll, uh, you'll see next issue. <laughs> I didn't I didn't look ahead, so yeah. Um, you know what we forgot to say is how many more of these we have What's left. That? How many more of these do we have left? Uh, I have it written down on the Strange Tales. Um, Strange Tales will be. Oh, this is the sixth from the end. So after Six. this, we have five more. Nice. That's the only thing I think about when I read these now, kind of. They're just really the low points every month, aren't they? Well, there's the other half. The other half's pretty good. Or so has been. We look, we look at um, the Incredible Hulk battles, the horde of humanoids. This is written with the sparkling skill of Stan Lee. Now, Sam Rosen was sparkling last time, so do they handle, do they like Share the sparkles? Mm-hmm. I don't know. You can have more Drawn than one sparkler. The, it could be more than one. They usually come in like a box. You like light one yeah. off with a pumpkin. Yeah. Yeah, everybody likes a sparkler. 
drawn with the peerless power of Steve Ditko, inked with the classic clarity of George Bell, and lettered with the TV set on by Artie Simic. That's my kind of work, Artie. Mm-hmm. Marvel proudly presents another chapter in the only superhero soap opera in all of comicdom. Uh, oh my gosh. What? Have you read The Amazing Spider-Man? <laughs> right? By, by the same team? Maybe they're saying that because this is like open-ended storytelling, like soap operas never, never end. They always just go to the next. This is the most like continuous kind of thing that we've had. I think. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think of soap opera. I think of like the soapy drama. Yeah, they might be talking about cliffhangers. They might be thinking about cliffhangers or something. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So um, Banner is in prison. Mm-hmm. on the base because of all of the mix-up with his atomic device last issue um, and him trying to protect it as Banner and as the Hulk, but then actually getting knocked around and they found him as Banner, so it looked like he was trying to steal it. Anyways, he is now in prison. Um, the opening scene, Ross is tossing him his tranquilizer pills, which he uses to, of course, stay calm. They think he's a spy is what Mm -hmm. it comes down to. But of course, he's not a spy. Um, Talbot, it continues to make the moves on Betty, even though she loves Bruce and refuses to believe that he's a traitor. Um, The leader is intent on studying the Hulk some more. Uh, He gets a report from the chameleon that the Hulk is, uh, that uh, Bruce Banner's under arrest. Um, And let's see, Rick Jones shows up. With whenever Bruce Banner is talking to his lawyer one day, Rick Jones shows up again. He's once again flown over from the Avengers to help out his good buddy, Bruce Banner. And he's like, wait a second, I've got an idea. And he leaves the base. Minutes later, he's at Washington, (laughs) D.C. How many minutes? Minutes. Minutes later, he's at Washington, D.C. And he gets, um, they're like, no one can see the president without an appointment. We're just a couple of guys in suits who keep out the riffraff. And he's like, but I have an Avengers ID card. And they're like, oh, please go talk to the president of the United States, son. Um, So he does. He goes in there and talks to the president and explains everything about Bruce Banner and the Hulk. Because he figures if there's one man you can trust in this country... It's the president of the United States of America. In 1964. In 1964. Um, Is this Johnson? Johnson took over after Kennedy, right? Isn't this Eisenhower? Or I don't know. There's an election in 64, and Johnson is is the president after that. Who's the president from 63 to 64? Uh, 1964 presidential election is Johnson and Goldwater. Uh, 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 1960 election was Kennedy and Nixon. Yeah, who took out, who took over after Kennedy? Boy, we're horrible at this. Let me see. Come on, internets. Uh... Yeah, Johnson. Okay. He uh, he yeah, took over Lyndon from B. Kennedy. Johnson. Right, right. He was elected in '64 and then um, elected out of office in '68. Richard Nixon was elected in '68. So good okay. thing, good thing, um, Rick Jones didn't wait till Richard Nixon, right? This was the last one you could do this with, <laughs> and then it was all over. So um, the president, yeah, 
He says it will take all the power and prestige of my office, but I think I can intercede. And actually, this is Johnson. He's Texas. It'll take all the power and prestige of my office, but I think I can intercede in his behalf. Um, and basically what happens is that the president of the United States of America issues a pardon for Bruce Banner. And it comes down the pike and Glenn Talbot is like, oh my gosh, I do not even know how this happened. I don't believe it for a second. But now that you're free, we're off to the next story. We've got to go test your atomic device. So come on. And Rick Jones is like, see you, bud. And he flies back to the Avengers. Um, out on a small deserted island is one of the inventions from Bruce Banner. It's the nuclear absorbatron. It's supposed to absorb an atomic blast. Um, while they're flying out there, though, the leader has already gotten lots of his pink plastic humanoids out there. Um, of course, he can see through their eyes what's going on. So Bruce is turning on the absorbatron and Glenn Thomas riding his back. Well, you know, your, your inclusion with the Hulk, wherever he appears, you're always there. And Bruce is like, oh, my God, this guy's driving my nerves. And I don't have more tranquilizer pills. I have taken the entire bottle since the story started. Oh, my gosh. And uh, he runs off to go have anxiety and turn into the Hulk. The Hulk is running around. Glenn Talbot sees him, brings down the blast doors. Close the blast doors. Close the blast doors. And the Hulk bangs on him. The humanoids attack the Hulk. And it's this, like, pink pile of puny um, pus balls. I don't know. What's a P, P word? Um, plasticoids. That's what they are. Yeah. And they're fighting the Hulk. And, um... That's it, really. That's basically it. We end with Talbot watching the Hulk fight the humanoids. The leader's watching the Hulk fight the humanoids. He thinks that maybe he can learn the secret of his strength or perhaps even convince the Hulk to be his ally. And the cliffhanger is the Hulk falling under the might of the plastoids. But watch out because his anxiety is rising again. And if he gets too uh, stressed uh, while he's the Hulk, yeah. he'll turn back to Bruce Banner. Yikes. They got to get rid of that faster. I was hoping that was just the one issue, but they've done it like every single story. Yeah. I don't know when it changes. I know it. I mean, as far as history goes, it's really not that long, but I don't know how many issues it takes. It's so bonkers dumb, but yeah. Otherwise cool though. Um, I'm feeling like they're really abusing the whole Rick Jones chronology a little bit. Like he keeps waffling back and forth awfully fast. Mm-hmm. He's learned how to be a teleporter, apparently, or something. And I guess he just has lots of frequent flyer miles. Maybe. It is funny. We were making fun of, you know, which president, but it is kind of interesting. Like, this is a snapshot in November 1964 when people did probably think it was okay to tell the president all of your Hulk secrets. Yeah. And then yeah. once Nixon's in office and all that fiasco, then I think people turn on that and don't think anymore that it would be okay to tell the president all your Hulk secrets. So. We are getting into the disenchantment with the establishment over the next half decade. Mm-hmm. Now, by the end of the 60s, that confidence will be shaken. And by the next decade, of course, it'll be shattered. Because um, Nixon gets elected in 68. So all yeah. of that stuff is, you know, going into the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, Vietnam is going on right now, and people are going to start protesting that more and more. But it's not really, we're not really there yet. No. No, because nobody's talked about that in the comics. So you know that if it mattered as much, it, it'd be eking into these by now. Mm-hmm. So the establishment is still, I mean, America trusts their leaders at this point. Mm-hmm. 
Um, How cool is it to have an Avengers ID card that gets you in to see the president? That's pretty awesome. And he's not even a member. My question is, how did he get the card? Because, yeah, he's not even a member. <laughs> right. He's not a real Avenger. Shut up, kid. Remember that? Yeah, they've said um, that multiple times. Do you think he stole Cap's ID card? Well, do you, don't you think Cap's face would be on it if he stole Cap's ID card? They don't have photo ID in the 60s, as a matter oh, of course. That is a great point. Yeah, he's holding up a Steve Rogers Avengers ID card or something. Yeah, driver's licenses have your physical description on them. Wow, how does this even work then? Because like anybody could just have an Avengers ID card. They don't have scans. They don't have chips. They don't have anything. I don't know. It's, it's like, how do you get one, though, right? Right. How do you get one? Is it just the paper? Special paper? It's got a re- the perfect reflection on it or something? I don't know. We're overthinking this. But yeah, that is weird. But Rick just seems to be this plot device where he just gets flown in for five seconds to do something and then disappears. Like, why does he keep disappearing? Where's he going? Yeah, he just keeps skadooshing back to the Avengers. <laughs> Thanks, Rick. Skadoosh. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. I'm looking up his uh, I'm looking up his chronology now to see when he like lands, you know? Uh-huh. In uh, in the Hulk stories. Because eventually he is gonna land in the Hulk stories. He's gonna be there. Yeah, he's in he's the next be- he's in the next Avengers issue, so Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's still waffling between the two, I guess. Because they can't decide. Is he Bruce Banner's sidekick, or is he? does he make a better Captain America sidekick? If only and we knew. My vote is Bruce Banner, but I think that's what ultimately they decide, too, at some point. Um, okay, so this website has a thing where ads like to load and take over the page. Uh, I hate that yes. on iPads, you know? Uh, so I'm trying to go in and look, but the Google ads keeps loading. So we'll find out later. We'll find out. Um, yeah. So I, I had a thing about it. I'm not a fan of that note. Page eight. What is page, page eight? Eight. Oh, it says the thought which just passed, or the thought which the Hulk just expressed, took a full four minutes to reach fruition in its clouded brain. But then he laboriously achieves another thought. So he's fighting these plastoids for four full minutes, and they say they're not alive. They're just some kind of fighting machines. I'm not <laughs> really a fan of that because the Hulk has not been dumb. No. He's brutish, but he's not stupid. We're not there yet. I guess we're Maybe getting there. the beginning of that. but Because there's somewhere else. That was another one I was going to ask you. Because it really is getting harder and harder to remember when, if something's a first or not. Or if we just gloss over it because we already know these things and don't recognize their firstness. Mm-hmm. But in page six, he's like, but the clouded brain of the Hulk soon loses interest in the trap major. Slowly he turns, looking about, trying to remember where he is and what he's doing there. It's Banner's fault. He brought me here. But where is he? Has he ever thought of Banner as a separate entity before? Usually he's talking about how he doesn't want to turn back to Banner. Well, during this actual transformation is when it gets fuzzy. But we have had him as the Hulk. Thinking of Banner as a separate person. That's definitely been a thing. Okay, cool. So, yeah, I guess he's just going to get dumber from here. Although, I've never really thought of him as dumb dumb because he's usually a pretty good fighter and that requires some sort of intelligence. He doesn't just walk around, you know, scratching his head. But Right. But he's definitely been depicted as smarter than this. Four minutes. Okay, so Rick Jones is a regular part of the Avengers until the team change. And then he's oh, a regular okay. part of the Hulk. So Avengers 16. 16 and 17, yep. Yeah, okay. 
So, um, yeah, I think that's about all I had written down for this. Yeah. I did say that the Hulk reminds me of our cat. Um, close a door in his face and he'll wish that he could get in for a moment, but then he gets distracted and wanders off and does something else. <laughs> see, that's part of, that's more of a dumb Hulk thing too. Yeah. It's just like, I want to kill this guy. Oh, I can't see him anymore. I guess I don't. I want more Object Betty. Permanence. I want more Betty because so far the last three stories have pretty much been her going, if he's a traitor, I can't love him. That's like her only dialogue. So we need more. We need, yeah, we, we've had more character from Glenn Talbot in three issues uh-huh. than from Betty. Can we have some Betty Bruce interaction? That would be nice. Something. That would be good. All right. But that's it. Yeah. It's kind of a, this was another fight where this is our theme tonight is we just have a lot of fight, I guess. But not more to, fight, you know, more fight. It's the X Men. <laughs> X Men number nine, back to me. And guess what? Guess starring the Mighty Avengers, who they fight. Um, I'll skip the rest of that caption because there's a lot of it, and we're just going to get right into it. Savagely written by Stan Lee, supremely drawn by Jack Kirby, superbly inked by Schick Stone, and stoically lettered by S. Rosen. X Men, the most unusual teen hyphen agers of all time. Enter. The Avengers, featuring the earth-shattering threat of Lucifer. Lucifer. Whatever you want in a super epic, this one's got it. Disagree. Okay. So it starts out <laughs> with the Titanic, or something like the Titanic, about to hit an iceberg. But then this laser beams come out of nowhere and blow up the iceberg. And all the humans are like, wow, where'd those laser beams come from? But we know because it cuts to Cyclops, who is a passenger on the ship. And he really just wasted all his entire energy to blow that up. And and Hank takes him back to the cabin. And then all of the other X-Men obnoxiously do mundane things with superpowers that they don't have to use their superpowers for, like creating ice cubes and telekinetically rubbing them on his face and serving him tea by flipping upside down. And all this weird x-men stuff but while they're there cyclops explains to the reader that he has been getting messages from professor xavier and so he's been following him to come over to this uh whatever country they're going to be at um basically professor x has been tracking his old enemy an enemy who is responsible for uh, ruining his legs. He doesn't get into how. That's like a tale for another time, he says in his brain. But uh, this is the guy. This is the guy that made it so he's stuck in a wheelchair. And now he's in this like um, subterranean tank wheelchair kind of thing, making his way mm-hmm. down to Lucifer. Lucifer sees him coming and shoots like a whirlwind plastic bag machine thing at him, and it pulls him in, and he's trapped. But Professor X has a gun. And he shoots, um, but the Lucifer's like, wait, don't kill me or harm me, because I have, I have something to explain to you. But before we can get to that, we cut to the X-Men, who are in Bavaria, that's where it is, and they're in civvies, and they're waiting for Professor X to get back to them on what to do next. Meanwhile, Thor just comes out of nowhere, and the Avengers. It turns out his, his uh, hammer has been pulsing and gyrating because there's some horrible evil in in bavaria and and so calm down (laughs) so they all yeah he uses the wrong words in this all throughout the story um and then anyway this tourist goes by and i don't know like he interacts 
or he gets scared by the wasp, so he drives forward, and he almost hits the X-Men, and he's like, careful, kids in civilian outfits, there's some crazy costume adventurers back there, and he drives away. So, of course, Angel wants to see what that is, so he flies over to confront the Avengers. Meanwhile, back downstairs... Lucifer explains that he has this big honking bomb that he's going to use to destroy the world, but it's also tied to his chest. So if Professor X hurts him, it'll blow up. Um, and then he's going to, like, I don't know, attack the X-Men with the bomb. And so Professor X hurls his, you know, protoplasm mental thing. Basically, he just reaches out with his mind to uh, tell them to move. But for some reason, they have to depict it in him running like a ghost. Um, so... They all move. They all transform into the X-Men to get into fighting mode. That's when the Avengers find them. Um, the Avengers are like, hey, you don't really need to help us because we're the Avengers, so we're just going to get on in there and take care of business. But Professor X has told the X-Men, without explaining why, don't let the Avengers hurt Lucifer. Because, again, the bomb will blow up. So the X-Men, of course, obey, and they get into a big fight, fight, fight. Lots of fight, more fight. Uh, meanwhile, downstairs, Professor X uses his mental powers to knock out Lucifer, essentially, without hurting his head. Um, he then tells Thor, specifically with his mind power, you know, what's really up that Lucifer was gonna, you know, if he, if you guys hurt Lucifer, he was gonna blow up the bomb, so can you please stop beating up on my kids? And, Luc and Thor's like, okay, fine, you know what, Avengers... I know what's going on now, and I vote that we just let these guys handle it, and they all leave. So their cameo is done. Um, and then the X-Men go downstairs to meet with Professor X, and com the combination of Professor X's telepathy on the missile, I said that right, Professor X's telepathy on the missile, and Cyclops's laser-focused eyeballs disables the missile um, and stops it from destroying the world. And then they kind of just wake Lucifer up and he's like, well, aren't you going to arrest me or hurt me or something? And they're like, you know, we've pledged to never do anything to anybody because we're the X-Men. And then they just, I guess, leave him there. The end. Yeah. When did they make that pledge? I don't understand how that pledge effective is effective in any way, but he says, because we are the X-Men, we are pledged never to cause injury to a human being, no matter what the provocation. So even though you just tried to destroy all of Florida... We're just going to let you walk away because we disabled yeah. your bomb and we can't hurt you, even though I totally hurt you five seconds ago, technically. <laughs> but that's okay. So remember whenever I told you that Lucifer was the most throwaway, really important piece of continuity ever? Man, I was going to ask you, I hope this gets retconned, right? Something? Um, Come on. It gets ignored. It doesn't get retconned. It just gets ignored. It gets ignored. The guy who disabled Professor X gets ignored forever. Yeah, um, it's it's as far as I know, it's still Lucifer. Like his <sighs> original loss of his legs is still because of Lucifer. Um, wow. And they do they do get more of the story later because we see Lucifer at least one more time to explain um, the leg thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it gets more more backstory. But the uh, the idea that Magneto cost him his legs is something that I saw in the Ultimate X-Men comics. Mm -hmm. And, of course, that's eventually done in the movies as well. Uh -huh. But as far as I know in the comics, there's never any change to the story that we get here. It's just kind of ignored because it's 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 useless. Well, Lucifer's super dumb. I didn't enjoy that, like mm -hmm. at all. I don't, I don't get the... 
Like he's just been here the whole time and Professor X decided one day, oh, I think he's building a bomb, so I better get down there and take care of it myself. Yeah, because he like he goes off to find Lucifer like on a lark. Like he just Yeah. We don't we don't hear about that from his perspective because he does he's not saying anything when he leaves. He's just like, I gotta go do stuff. Well they've they've been giving us little hints here and there that he's been doing bonkers stuff because we've seen him in the catacombs with the golden wheelchair tank. And Mm -hmm. I was genuinely curious because I haven't read these early original X-Men team stories or most of them. So I was like, wow, what is he doing? And then this is what he's doing. And it was just kind of an ultimate letdown. Like, like, why is he doing it? And who is Lucifer? And why did he not take the rest of his team with him? And it's just kind of weird. It's just a weird story. Yeah. Um, And and, the fact that he's like in communication with Cyclops while he's making his way down but it's like completely refusing to tell him anything about what's going on. I know. He does that a lot. Yeah. Yeah, the Avengers in this were such a throwaway. Mm-hmm. Like, They're just there to distract the X-Men for a few minutes, to like fill a few pages. Yeah, which is the same thing they did with the Fantastic Four last time they fought the Mole Man, remember? They came in, yeah. they had a little fight, and then it's like, okay, we'll let you deal with it. It makes the Avengers look bad, in my opinion. Like, they're jerkheads who think that they should control all the situations. Which is a very modern Avengers take. Like, they're trying to go around and be the premier superhero team because they have all the cool superhero names. Uh But they're not. Yeah, they're really not that. I mean, I was thinking about that earlier because between X-Men this episode and I think next episode we have Avengers, it's like, I've always thought Avengers was my favorite team, but the three team books we read right now, I almost feel like Avengers is my least favorite team book, which is sad. Yeah, I've had... The last I mentioned this before on the show. The last time I read through this Kirby Heck Lee early, you know, first team run of Avengers, I really did not like it. Mm-hmm. Like I found it to be a slog to get through. I've been enjoying it a lot more this time through, but I can definitely sympathize if you're like, "Wow, the Avengers are just kind of, kind of, kind of obnoxious," and all they talk about is who's like. Even in this, after the fight, they're walking away, going, "Okay, well now you're the." You're the chairman. It's like, shut up about the stupid chairman stuff. I don't care What's about funny this. Is like the, the first time we mentioned it, you were like, yeah, but Avengers fans are like, we yeah. love the meetings and the rules and everything. And I do, because I know in the future there's going to be like great issues that are all about roster changes and the rules and honorary memberships and stuff. But like in these early books, it's just becoming really monotonous and makes them seem so stupid because none of the other team books care. Do that. Right. Yeah, it's fin- really the Fantastic Four are a family who get into shenanigans, and the X Men are teens who get sent on missions, and the Avengers are trying to figure out how to be official superheroes. Yes, like why would being a chairman even expire right now? Like you just go down to the minute you're right, literally in Bavaria, in the middle of a mission and a fight, and it's like, oh, actually, time out. Wasp is in charge now. That's just so stupid. I don't know. Stop yeah. it. Stop yeah. it, Avengers. You're being stupid. This is dumb. Uh, Jean Grey was being super dramatic at the beginning of this story. Was she? She's putting eyes on Scott. Oh, Scott. My heart just breaks when I see you so pale and so shaken. If only I could comfort you with my arms, my lips. But I know I mustn't. You know, she was more fun when she first showed up and everybody wanted her and she didn't seem to have any indications that she cared. You are right, sir. And now it's like she's going to pine over Scott all the time in her thought bubbles. And I kind of feel that makes her like less of an interesting character, sort of. 
Okay, but I need to draw attention to something else on this page. Page three. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's the long panel where um, Hanks says, "I'll remedy that, brother Cyclops. One iced tea coming up." Uh-huh. And he takes the, he takes it. He comes back and he hands Scott the tea with his feet. Yes. Yes. Now he had his socks and shoes on. <laughs> So he took them off to serve took in, them in a off. mutant way. <laughs> took your sweaty socks off your giant ass feet and handed the... T- Dude, all of them do that, though. That's what I was making fun of. Like, every single thing you can do in this page, a human can do. But they right. just, they're just they just doing it in an obnoxiously powerful way, I guess, for no reason. Bobby like, continues to make ice cubes out of his hands. Like, I would just be like, please, Gene, you know, we could just put this in a washcloth and I can hold it to my head. You don't need to keep bonking me with ice cubes. <laughs> oh, yeah, like they're, they're clubbing him in the head. He's like, M- must not be rude to the girl I love. <laughs> right. But I, I, I really wish, I, I thought this would feel better. Ah. Uh, okay. Um, so the other thing that really bothered me in this is they are treating telepathy like telekinetics again. Um, in multiple spots, like okay, like when, where is it? When he knocks out Lucifer, he has to have the knowledge of brain surgery to delicately. I don't know what he's doing. It's like he's slicing the guy's brain or something. He's really worried about doing it too much and killing him. Like no, it's telepathy. You just say go to sleep, and he goes to sleep. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, it, and then later. Later, he's not like squidging a muscle or anything. No, and then later he's using his telepathy to locate the place on the missile that Cyclops needs to shoot. How does telepathy work on a missile? Mm. There's no mind, so he's really using telekinesis of some kind to like draw, you know, across the insides of the thing and find the button or whatever. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. Bothers me. It does not make sense. Um, Flipping through the Avengers fight. Uh huh. Um, let's see. Anything interesting? They th- well, they throw the shield and, and Hank catches it with his feet. That was cool. Which is not great for those razor edged shield, you know. Well, that's but just they, a plot a, device. There's a flip on that panel too. It's a cool. It's a cool shield catch, and I like the big splash, almost splash page on number thirteen where they're all just kind of fighting. Um. Oh, you know what sucks about this issue? Besides all the things I've already said, Iron Man's in it. Yeah. Yeah, he's not supposed to be in it. I really like that he he wasn't in the last Avengers, but he's here. Okay, so I was thinking about that because mm-hmm. um, he was not in the last Avengers because he was off in China. Mm-hmm. He finished the Mandarin story. We haven't seen him return home, but well, he's in this issue here. So well, you're he ha- right. He hasn't finished the Mandarin story yet because we haven't covered it. No, it comes out next week. We haven't done the second half where he's like strapped to the table. No, that's in that's in November eleventh. This came out in uh, the fifth, so technically he's still. I totally s- thought that we already had that issue. No, we 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 covered the first part. I guess you could say that oh, those two things right. happen at the same time. They didn't you take- are right. I'm, my brain's all switched around. Yes, he should not be here. And and just spoilers because we'll be talking about that next episode anyway. But they don't. They don't uh, finish off the whole idea that Tony Stark is dead and Iron Man might be a murderer thing, even in that tale. So he still shouldn't be on the Avengers yet because they haven't, like, made peace with him. 
For some reason, I thought this was an Avengers issue, and I was thinking about the Avengers in it. You're right. The Avengers issue from this month, he was not in. This X-Men issue, he is in, and he shouldn't be. You're right. Okay, I'm sorry. I got confused. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's just a little nitpick, because ultimately, we know Iron Man will be back on the Avengers. In fact, I think he's in the next issue. He is in the next issue, and they don't really explain it. But, uh, Because theoretically, you get the explanations in his own book at some point. At some point, but it hasn't happened yet. Nope. Um, we have an Avengers Assemble on page 16. Oh, my gosh. That's the first one, isn't it? I think it is. And the crazy thing about it is it's actually being used correctly. He's uh-huh. saying, stop <laughs> the fighting and come to me as an Avengers uh-huh. Assemble, which is a weird battle cry if you think about it. Because normally it's like, we're all together and now we're going to go fight, so... The assembling part is already done when you shot Avengers Assemble. Yeah, it should be like Avengers Attack or something like that. Right, right. Um, I do love this bit where like Iceman thinks he can take on Thor and he makes a big block of ice. And he's like, you're so square and you don't scare anyone. And then like Thor sits down to listen to Professor X in his brain explain what's going on. And then Thor's just like, mm-hmm. okay, the fight's over. And he just barely taps the ice and it <laughs> cracks in half like... Good thing, good thing they weren't gonna fight because he was not. That was not gonna stop him. You won't need this this paltry shield any longer. Yeah, the fight's over, puny ice cube man. Um, is no one going to ask why they're like you know the X Men? They're being told by Xavier, you need to come down inside the ground to fight Lucifer. Mm. <laughs> no one's gonna say Lucifer. Um, hey, teach what? What are we doing? <laughs> right. Who, who is this? Why are we going down to the pits of the ground to fight Lucifer? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Also, I do have questions about the whole bomb thing. Okay. How How is a bomb underground in Eastern Europe aimed at Antarctica? Uh, yeah. Was it supposed to explode from the inside or something it's kind of a weird picture i don't get it either yeah i don't know maybe 50 years later xavier's all why do we bother to say the polar ice caps from lucifer's bomb because now they're just melting anyway yeah he could have created more maybe maybe um yeah i don't know this was just super disappointing to me i don't know what i expected when they were hinting at what professor x was doing but Apparently, I expected more because this was not it. This was just really kind of blah. Yeah, yeah. In fact, blah I would say I would say this episode is kind of a dud because sadly, I don't really like Journey to Mystery is okay, but it wasn't anything important. And and no, the the, the Loki story was the highlight, and it was just kind of there. Yeah. The Hulk story was all right, but it's all right, but it was really continued fast and sort of re, sort of just repetitive of what he did last issue, and contrived with Holbrook Jones thing. Yeah, uh-huh. sorry folks, this was uh, this was not the greatest collection of comics this month. <clears throat> that said, I'm pretty sure next episode will be more of the same. So <laughs> tune in. <laughs> Hopefully better. Hopefully Actually, better. let's we'll- just give you your homework now since we're talking about it, right? Yeah. Um, so next week, if you want more ho-hum issues, there's going to be three more of them. It's going to be Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos, issue number 14, where they fight Baron, Strucker, Baron Strucker's 
Blitzkrieg Squad. That does sound pretty cool, doesn't it? Um, and then we have Tales of Suspense number 62, where we do get the second part of that Iron Man Mandarin and the Mandarin's origin. And meanwhile, Captain America does a big fight, fight, fight in a prison. And then we have Avengers number 12, where the Avengers fight the Mole Man. So read those and and we'll talk about it. Yeah, kind of. Kind of. He's in it. I'll tell you what, I'll up the ante. They fight the Mole Man and the Red Ghost. Kind of. Um, I'll tell them where to find us if you want. Sure. Okay, so I'll just do two things in a row. Gosh, it's exhausting. No. Where to find us is makearsmarvel.com or type makearsmarvel into any of the podcast apps that you use. That'd probably be faster. But if you don't know how to do that, makearsmarvel.com and then there's links to those apps on the site. There's also links to Facebook and Twitter. Follow us and also that way you get updates on all the latest uh, episodes that we release or whatever we're doing. Um, And also you can write us a letter or an email, they call it these days, uh, through the website, or you can just do it directly, podcast at makearsmarvel.com. And I think um, that does wrap up our episode. Yep. Should I tell them where I am? You should if you want to. Go ahead. Well, I am on Twitter at John Reads Comics, and I have other stuff on Twitter at um, All the Pouches. Mm-hmm. which is an image comics podcast. I have TFUK podcast, which is a TFUK podcast. Uh, it's about transformers, UK comics and cartoons. It's a podcast that is starting this fall. I am busy recording episodes. Um, I also do a tweet blog about the Scarlet witch at let's talk Wanda. And what else? What else? What else? Uh, I did retire the super silly Sentai show. So that is no longer, I'm going to be releasing new episodes All right. So I think that does everything. That's it. Well, until next time. Or until Magneto ultimately loses Xavier the use of his legs. Make ours marvel. Marvel.